Happy Easter. How are you doing today? Good. And yeah, we got a lot of reasons to celebrate. We're celebrating the greatest event in all history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a celebration. At Woodland Church, it's not a funeral service. It's a celebration service because he's alive and he's bringing life to us. Now, sometimes in adventure movies or video games, a waterfall will really be a doorway that opens up revealing a secret passageway to a beautiful or mysterious world beyond the waterfall. And Easter is a doorway that opens up for us a real world of hope and meaning and beauty, the very things that seem so hard to find in our world today. For you see, 2,000 years ago, God opened the door to human history and he came to us so that the door to heaven could be open for us. Look what happened on that first Easter in Matthew chapter 28, verse five. As the women arrived at the tomb on that Sunday morning, the angel said, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. See, I've been to the tomb and he's not there. He has risen just as he said. The tomb is empty so our lives can be full, full of purpose and meaning and hope. Now, a door is just a passageway from one place to another. And whenever you walk through a door, you have certain emotions that you feel as you're walking through a door. And it all depends on what's on the other side of the door. For instance, some doors you walk through, you can have a sense of excitement. You know, you can't wait to get through that door. Other doors that you walk through may give you a feeling of comfort as you're very familiar with the place. Another door you walk through may fill you with a sense of fear and anxiety as you're not quite sure what to expect on the other side. But how you feel walking through a door all depends on what's on the other side of the door. For instance, when I walk through the doors of Toyota Center or Minute Maid Park or NRG Stadium, my heart starts to beat a little faster. And I'm filled with a sense of excitement when I go through those stadium doors. Now, those doors don't quite do the same thing for my wife, Cress, as they do for me. She's a good sport. She'll go to the games with me. I try to tell her it's the most romantic date you could ever have. It's going to one of those games, especially a really close game, especially a playoff game. Doesn't get any more romantic than that. Maybe a World Series, you know, but she doesn't quite buy that. But I have to say that when I walk through the doors of, let's say, anthropology, or really any women's fashion store in the whole world with Chris, I have a sense of exhaustion that just comes over me right away. I don't know what it is about anthropology. I don't know. You know, it smells really good. Maybe it's the smells. Maybe there's a lack of oxygen in the room. I don't really know what it is, but I just go into a, this sedated state, and I feel just totally worn out, and I start looking for the man couch. You know, there's a little man sofa in all those places, and so I know which of the stores have a really good man sofa, and that you never see women sitting there just chatting with each other. It's always a guy, like he's half dead, just laying there, you know, it's like, ugh. Oh. And I'll sit down on that little man's sofa and 
you know, I feel like we've been there for days. And I go, Chris, how long have we been here? It's like five minutes, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm just exhausted. But she's, she's a little more energized. She doesn't love to shop, but she doesn't hate to shop. Now, a door is really just a passageway from one place to another. And that's why Easter is a door. When you walk through the door of Easter and really experience the resurrected Christ, you step out of a place of darkness into the light of hope. I want you to see first that Easter is a doorway to meaning. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's going through your entire life without ever understanding the meaning of life, without ever understanding your purpose in life. And folks, we're on this divine search for meaning from the moment we take our first breath. And we look for meaning and value and worth first in the eyes of a parent. And then we quickly switch to looking for our value and worth by comparing ourselves to everyone else. Most of us, if we're really honest about it, feel like we don't have what it takes, uh, that we're not enough and will never be enough because we're always looking for meaning through the doorway of comparing ourselves. And, and when you walk through the doorway of comparison, thinking you'll find fulfillment, what you really find is just another door. There's always another door. We think if I could just get through that door that they've gone through, then I'd be fulfilled. If I just have what they have, that job, that house, that marriage, if I just walk through that door that they're walking through, or we think once we make it through the next door, everything will be great. It'll be stress-free. Right now, it's really stressful. I mean, right now, it's just crazy. Right now, I mean, it's tough, but if I can just make it through that next door and get to the next level, then things will settle down. It'll be perfect. And then you get through that door and there's another door. And you go, well, maybe if I get through this next door, maybe if I get through the next door. And we're always trying to go through the door thinking if I can get to the next level, then everything is gonna be great and I'll be happy. Or you open the door of comparison by looking at what everyone posts of their seemingly perfect life on social media. And you think that someone is really letting you behind the door of their life. But what you really see is the perfect pictures on Pinterest of a perfectly tidy house with a perfectly beautiful meal on the perfectly set table with their perfectly put together outfit. And you think, wow, they have three preschoolers like me and they do all this. I will never be enough. I can never measure up. I'm horrible. But see what you don't see? They locked their kids in the closet for three hours <laughs> and took 100 pictures to get that one perfect picture that they posted. Well, while their marriage is starting to fall apart and they're carrying a deep hurt that they can't share with anyone else, they're trying to hide, and it's just all lies. That's why we're gonna start a new series next weekend that I'm really excited about. We're calling it Family Camp. It's finding true connection with the people closest to you, and we're gonna get real, and we're gonna get real practical about what God's word says about how to build strong and close relationships. You didn't get to pick the family you're in, but you do get to choose how you respond, how you react in situations. We're gonna talk about solving conflict, or we're gonna get real practical. For those of you who are parents, we're gonna talk about how do you deal with social media? How do you deal with, with the internet, with kids growing up? How do you deal with these things that seem to be just out of control, and we're gonna get real and get real practical. We're also gonna have a lot of fun in this series because 
I'm gonna take you to some great outdoors places, but it's gonna be inside with no mosquitoes. It's gonna look outdoors. And don't miss it. Family camp starts next week in building a strong family. Well, Easter is really the door of meaning. It's the door that can take you from a place of emptiness to a place of purpose. Colossians 3, 4 tells us the secret to it. Look at it with me. Colossians 3, 4. It says, Christ gives meaning to your life. See, Jesus Christ is the door of meaning, and you'll never find meaning outside of a relationship with a God who made you with the longing for meaning. God put that desire for meaning in your heart, so you'll never find meaning until you find him. Easter gives us meaning. It even gives meaning to our pain. First, because we see we have a God who understands our pain. In Mark 15, 22, it tells us what happened right before the crucifixion. It says, the soldiers brought Jesus to Golgotha, meaning Skull Hill. They offered him a mild painkiller, wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it, and they nailed him to the cross. They divided up his clothes and threw dice to see who would get them. So someone was being compassionate in the middle of all of the terrible act that was going on of crucifixion, and they offered Jesus a, a mild sedative, a mild painkiller, the wine mixed with myrrh, maybe to take the edge a little bit off of the horrible pain he was about to experience, but Jesus didn't take it. Jesus refused to deaden the pain even in the least bit. Instead, he chose to feel the full force of his suffering. Why? Why did he endure all the pain? Because he wanted you to know he understands your pain. He wanted you to know that he understands what you're going through. He knew you would feel pain in this broken world, the pain of betrayal, the pain of loss, the pain of rejection. Jesus understands your pain. He understands what you're going through. John Stott said, I could never believe in God if it weren't for the cross. In a real world of pain, how could you worship a God who was immune to it? See, when I look at that lonely figure on the cross, when I look at Christ hanging on the cross, the nails in his hands and feet, his back lacerated, blood covering his face from the thorns embedded in his brow, his mouth dry from intolerable thirst, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. That's the God for me. I need a God who understands my pain. He set aside his immunity from pain and he endured our world a flesh, blood, and tears. And I'm so grateful I have a God who understands my deepest hurts. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're worshiping at our Atascacita Church, Wilden Church Atascacita, or you're worshiping at our North Point Church, Wilden Church North Point, or you're here at the Wildlands Campus, or you're right now worshiping through our online broadcast or through our broadcast ministry around the world. Maybe you're somewhere on the other side of the world tuning in right now. I don't know anything about you, but I know this. You're hurting. Everyone carries a hidden hurt. You see, you can't live in this broken world for very long without experiencing hurt and pain. The pain of someone who betrays your trust and you never saw it coming. The pain of someone who breaks your heart, or the pain of loss, or the pain of sickness, or emotional pain, or physical pain, the pain of depression or anxiety, or the pain that only a parent knows when one of your children is going through pain, 
or a teenager's painful choices that are just ripping your heart out, I want you to know wherever you're at, God understands your pain. He knows, maybe no one else knows, maybe you haven't shared it with anyone else, you're just hurting on the inside. God knows and God cares. And he showed us at Easter that he understands our pain. He not only understands your pain, he gives meaning to our pain, he turns our pain into purpose. You see, Jesus still had the scars from the crucifixion after the resurrection. He had a resurrected perfect body, this heavenly perfect body, but he still chose to have the scars. You remember in scripture, Jesus appeared to the disciples after he rose from the dead and they were gathered in this room and Jesus enters the room, the door was locked, but there he is. And they can't believe it and they're so excited. Christ is alive, but one was missing. Thomas wasn't there that night. So the disciples run and tell their friend Thomas, you won't believe it, the Lord is alive. We've seen him with our own eyes. And Thomas said, what? The last time I saw him, he had just died this horribly painful, excruciating death at the hands of experts at death, the Roman soldiers. And he was being wrapped in grave clothes. I mean, when they bring out the grave clothes, it's over. And then they put him in a tomb and they rolled a huge stone over it. The door's closed. He's dead. I placed all my hope in him. My dream is dead. My hope is dead. It's over. And I won't believe it unless I see the nail scars in his hands and feet and, and touch the scar in his side. Well, the next week, the disciples are gathered again, and this time Thomas is with them. He had doubts. He was filled with confusion and questions, but you gotta give him credit. He stayed in. He kept showing up. He kept coming to church. He was there. You know, he, he was searching. He was looking, and Jesus appears again. And this time, Jesus says, Thomas, hey, look at the nail scars in my hands and feet. It touched the nail scar in my side. And he said, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Now, why did Jesus still have those scars? I mean, he has a resurrected perfect body, but he chose to keep the nail scars in his hands and feet and the scar in his side. Why? He wanted Thomas and you to know how much he loves you. See, every scar tells a story. And Jesus' scars tell the story of how valuable and loved you are. Jesus didn't hide his scars because those scars tell the story of God's glory. And you don't have to hide your scars because of Easter. The church is a community of people who no longer have to hide our scars because our scars don't point to our hurt, they point to our healer. That's what our scars point to. They tell the story of our great healer. Every scar has a story and your scars Tell the story of God's glory. Jesus left his scars after he rose again to tell you the story of how much he loves you and how valuable you are. So I wanna say to the teenage girl out there who looks down at the scars on her arms from cutting and is filled with shame, look up. Look up to the one with the nail scars on his hands and feet and the scar on his side and you let those scars tell you the story of how loved and valuable and treasured and beautiful you are and how those scars will shout the story of how he died to take away all your shame so you don't have to be filled with shame when you look at your scars. 
I want to say to the woman out there who's been believing the lies on social media, believing the lies on the internet that if you're not stick thin and starving yourself and look like an airbrushed, airbrushed supermodel, then you're not beautiful and so you have no value, you have no worth, look away from social media for just a moment and look up to the one with the nail scars on his hands and feet and the scar on his side and let those scars shout to you your true worth and how beautiful you are because your God says, I believe you're worth dying for. I love you. You are my treasure. I cherish you. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting. Stop listening to the lies and believe me, the one who made you. You are beautiful. And I have made you enough and more than enough. And I want to say to the man or woman out there who's running on the treadmill of success, trying to prove that you've got what it takes, trying to prove that you're worth something, trying to prove by your successes or your net worth makes you feel like you've got some self-worth. I want to say to you, you can get off the treadmill of success for just a moment and you look to the one with the nail scars in his hands and feet and the scar in his side and those scars will shout to you that your self-worth was settled on the cross 2,000 years ago when God said, this is how much you're worth. And he stretched out his arms and he gave his life for you. You're worth dying for. That's what the creator of the universe thinks. And you can just be still and know that he is God. And be still and know that he will give you whatever it takes to make it through. I wanna say to that person out there who's stuck in an addiction and you're starting to feel hopeless, you feel like you'll never be able to break free. I want you to look up right now and look to the one with the scars on his hands and feet and the scar on his side because his scars shout to you, I died to set you free. And you look to me and I will give you the power one day at a time to break free from that addiction, to break free from that hang up and that sin. I will give you the power that you need because I'll give you the same power that brought about my resurrection. I'll give you that same power. I love you. You're gonna make it. I'm so thankful that the scars tell the true story. The problem is we're just looking in the wrong places and we're listening to the lies. But when you look to the scars, they shout the truth of how much he loves you. We just need to listen to what he says about us. Easter is a door to meaning, but Easter is also a door to forgiveness. And that's a door every one of us needs because we're all broken and we've all sinned. You know, you can look great on the outside like you've got it all together, but we're all broken on the inside and we're all flawed. And because of that, we all have guilt and regrets. To really see it, you gotta go back to the Garden of Eden as God opened the door to paradise to Adam and Eve. And he put them in this perfect place and God said, you can walk through any door in this perfect place and enjoy life except for this one door. It's off limits. And what did they do? They did what we've done. They ran straight for the forbidden door and they disobeyed. And that disobedience created this wall between sinful humankind and perfect God. 
a wall of guilt and shame that separates us from our creator. But God put a door in the wall of our guilt and shame. Romans 3.22 tells us about this door. It says, God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we have been like. When Christ died on the cross on Good Friday, all the guilt from my sin was canceled. The sinless one took upon his body the sins of the whole world. He was the perfect sacrifice and he shed his perfect sinless blood to wash away our sins. And Easter is the door to forgiveness that takes us from a place of guilt and shame to a place of grace. I'm so thankful for that door to forgiveness. It takes you from this place of guilt and shame. And, and, and by the way, sin creates guilt and shame. And you can deny it. You can suppress it. You can ignore it. You can run from it. But there'll still be guilt and shame. And it creates all kinds of devastating effects in our lives. But the good news is God put that door right there in the wall of our guilt and shame so that we can move from the place of guilt and shame into the light of grace, into the green pasture in the valley of his grace and breathe in his grace that is so undeserved. The problem is a lot of times we try to tear down the wall of guilt and shame ourselves. We try to get rid of it with our good works, by trying to be a nice person. We feel like I'm a pretty good person. I'm better than most folks. And we're always trying to tear down the wall of our guilt and shame, maybe through religion, following rules, rituals, and regulations. But the more you try to tear down the wall of guilt and shame that's been built up in your life, it just adds more guilt and frustration and shame. As we see clearly, we can't measure up to perfect holy God, that we can't get it all together. But God realized that we can never tear down the wall of our guilt and shame, so he blew it wide open on Easter, and he put a door of forgiveness there, and now all we have to do is walk through that door of forgiveness and walk right into his grace. It says in Ephesians 2.8, Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. So I can't tear down the wall of my guilt and shame. I can't get rid of my regrets. I can't go back and, and, and never sin. So all I have to do, though, is trust what Christ has done. Christ is the door of forgiveness. And when I come to Christ, I walk from guilt to grace. Guilt is unnecessary. You don't have to carry around the burden of guilt and shame because of what Christ's done. The good news of Easter is anybody, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've wandered, no matter how badly you've messed up, no matter how high your wall of guilt and shame is, if you'll stop trying to tear down the wall of guilt and shame and walk through the door of forgiveness, you'll be forgiven just as you are. You don't have to clean up your act or get your life together. Really, you can't without Christ. You come to him in all your brokenness and all your mess and all your sin. And he will love you as he finds you. And then his love will start to change you. I want us to stand right now and I want us to sing. Because it's easy to believe in Jesus. You don't have to have any faith to believe in Jesus because, I mean, it's just in the historical record. You know, 
History tells us Jesus was a real person, so it takes no faith to believe that. And it really takes no faith to believe Jesus died on a cross because that's in the historical record. It takes no faith. We know Jesus died on the cross. And it really takes no faith to believe Jesus rose from the dead because over 500 witnesses saw Jesus after he rose from the dead and they were willing to die because they believed they saw Jesus rise from the dead. All Jerusalem knew Jesus had risen from the dead. It was the talk of all Jerusalem. It was the big news spread everywhere. So it really doesn't take much faith to believe Jesus rose from the dead. What takes a lot of faith is to believe that he's forgiven you, to believe that he loves you just the way you are, that when you come to him, you find total love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace that you could never earn and never deserve. That's what takes faith. And so I want you to sing. I want you to sing this because he loves you as he finds you, and then he starts to change you. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. He starts to change you from the inside out, and you start... Your eyes become open to new doors of meaning and purpose and, and wholeness that you walk through. But I hope you'll take a little step of faith. For those of you who are Christ followers, I hope you'll take a little step of faith and just start believing what God says about you, that you're loved and you're forgiven, that he looks at you and he smiles and rejoices over you. He holds you and he loves you. Believe that. He loves you. As he finds you. And for those of you who aren't Christ followers and you think, you know what, I, I can't come to Christ because I'm a mess right now. Maybe if I get my act together a little bit, maybe then I could do it. But I mean, you don't know what I've done, where I've been. No, you have to come to Christ just as you are. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, just as you are with all your brokenness and sin. You just can't hide it. We're all broken and sinful. And so we come to him and he forgives. He loves you just as you are. And then he begins to make the changes in your life to take you where you never dreamed you could be. Let's sing this to him and believe it. Have the faith to believe it. You can be seated. There's a door that none of us like to talk about much, but it's a door we will all have to walk through one day. Death's door. And really only a fool would go through their entire life without preparing for something he knows is inevitable. But because of Easter, you don't have to be afraid of death because Easter is the door to heaven. Do you ever wonder what Jesus did between the time he died on the cross on Good Friday and rose again on that Easter Sunday? What was he up to? Was he just in the grave? What was he up to? Revelation 1.17, Jesus himself tells us, look at it with me, don't fear, I am first, I am last, I'm alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's door. They open and lock hell's gates. Death kept us locked in fear. Death's door was deadlocked from top to bottom. Death had us locked in hopeless grief. Death had us locked in endless loss. Death had us locked in total emptiness. When Jesus took the nails on Friday, all of our sins upon his sinless body, and it looked like he had breathed his last, but it wasn't over. No, he was just getting started. 
he descended to the depths and he stormed the gates of hell and he took back the keys to death's door that we had given away in the garden. And now he stands alive holding the key to eternal life and he says, I'll give it to you. I'll give it back to you. I want it for you. And now all you have to do is receive it. John 17, three says, this is the way to have eternal life, by knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus Christ is the door to heaven, and heaven is a beautiful place. It's a perfect place. A lot of people, when they think of heaven, think of a lot of mists and clouds, and that we're up there playing a harp, sitting on a cloud, and that sounds horrible. I mean, just be honest, some of you You're like, yeah, I'd rather go to heaven than hell, that's for sure, but I'm not really excited about it because it sounds like a boring church service for all eternity. Well, that's not what it's gonna be, okay? Think of the most amazing place you've ever been, the most beautiful place you've ever been in your life. Think of the most fulfilling moment of your entire life, and heaven blows all that away because it's a place of total purpose, total fulfillment, total joy, total beauty, And it's a real place, as real as this auditorium we're in. But heaven is this perfect place for perfect people, and none of us are perfect. And that's why Christ knew that we could never go through that door of heaven, perfect heaven, unless he came through the door of human history. And he died on that cross to open the door, to take the keys to death's door. And now he says, my child, I offer you the keys to the kingdom but you have to receive them. Humble yourself enough to receive them. I'm so glad that the tomb is empty. You know, I have been there to the garden tomb, and this tomb that was cut out of the rock 2,000 years ago, and there is this well there, this spring well that comes up the cistern, and so we know there's been a garden there for thousands of years, and so this is right outside the city gate, so it very well could be the very place that Jesus was buried and where he rose again. It's a powerful place. If it's not that place, it's one exactly like it, and so right there in that area, and so there is an opening. You saw the opening, that little rectangular opening, but that's not a door. The door is no longer there, and what you may not have seen in that video is right in front of that opening is a ridge cut out of the bedrock that is a place for the stone. It would be a circular stone, heavy stone that would be rolled over the opening. The stone was the door that was rolled over the opening of the tomb, and it would take several really strong men to roll a stone over a grave, and they rolled the stone over the opening. They rolled the door. They shut the door. They slammed the door shut on Jesus Christ and it was over, but it was really just beginning. And I just wanna say to you, maybe you feel like a door has been shut in your life, a door to a dream you feel like has been closed in your face and now it seems dead. Maybe the door to your hopes have been slammed in your face and you feel hopeless today. Maybe a door of joy has just been shut right in your face and you don't feel any joy, you feel kind of numb going through life because of the pain you're carrying. I don't know what doors have been shut 
in your life. I don't know what stones have been rolled over your life, but I know this, we have one that rolls away the stone. We have one that opens the doors, and the scripture says, when God opens the door, no man can shut it. So unless God has told you that door is closed, don't believe it. If a human tells you that door is closed, don't believe it until God says it, because when God opens the door, no one can shut it. When God closes the door, no one can open it, because we have a God who has resurrection power, and he took the worst event in human history, the death of his son upon a cross, and he turned it into the greatest event of all history, the most wonderful event of all history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he can take crucifixions and turn them into resurrections. He can resurrect dying dreams, and he can resurrect dying marriages. He can resurrect dying hopes. It's amazing what God can do because he rose from the grave. One day I know I will rise up. Because he defeated death, I know that I don't have to fear death, that I have the keys to the door of death. And when I walk through the door of death, those keys are to eternal life. You see, one day your heart will stop beating, but you won't stop living. You are made for eternity, and you'll walk through death's door and when you walk through death's door, if you've received the free gift of salvation, those keys to eternal life, you'll walk right into heaven and be more alive than you've ever been. Because Jesus is alive, we will be more alive than we've ever been. Because death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't stop him. And that door couldn't stay over him. We know that death can't hold us. Our son Josh and Stephen, our sons Josh and Stephen have written a new song for Woodlands Worship that really shares this, and it really speaks directly to my heart, really speaks directly to our hearts about the tomb being empty. You see, if it weren't for the resurrection, then there is no hope. But we have Christ, the risen Lord, who's defeated death, and he holds the keys to eternal life, and he offers them to us. The tomb is empty, so I no longer have to be empty. I can be filled. At a point in time in this song, Josh is gonna ask you to stand and sing with him and sing it with all your heart and proclaim it today that the tomb is empty and ask him to give you his fullness, to really open up doors that have been shut in your life, to open up dreams and hopes and maybe just give you a little light of hope breaking through to know he's gonna come through for you. Let's sing it to him, and at some point, Josh will ask you to stand, and let's sing it in faith with all our hearts. Death has no hold anymore. You can be seated. There's one last door I want to talk about, and that's the door to your heart. You see, every one of us have a door to our heart, the Bible says. In Ephesians 3.17, it says, Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. So he has the keys to eternal life, and he says they're free. You can't earn it or deserve it, but you have to receive it. Artist Holman Hunt painted this classic picture of Jesus called Jesus at the door, and here it is. And notice something about the door. Did you notice there's no doorknob on the outside of the door? little unusual. That's because the artist intentionally wanted you to remember that 
Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, but the doorknob is on the inside. You choose whether or not you open the door and allow Christ to come in to your life. You have to choose to open the door of your heart. He'll never knock the door down. He, he will never, you know, force his way into your life. He leaves the choice to you. He always has. Even when he was crucified between two thieves, one accepted him, one rejected him, but he gave them both the choice. He always gives us the choice because love is not love unless you can choose to love. And so he made you to love you, but he lets you choose whether or not you want to receive his love by opening the door of your heart. Now, Christ knocks on the door of your heart, and he does this in many different ways. Maybe you felt a knocking on the door of your heart because you felt the gnawing emptiness in your life, and you're thinking there's got to be more to life. That's just Christ knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe in this Easter service, you felt moved and you felt drawn to God and you don't know how to express it. That's just Christ knocking on the door of your heart. He doesn't knock the door down. He waits for you. And once you open up the door of your heart and receive him into your life, then you discover what Romans 5.1 says. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. When you open the door of your heart to Christ and he comes into your life, he opens your eyes to see that he was waiting all along with an open door. He had an open door policy the whole time where he was just waiting for you to run into his arms. He was just waiting for you to open the door of your heart so that he could open his arms to you and hold you and say, you're my child. Welcome home. So I want to ask you, has there ever been a point in time in your life where you have opened the door of your heart to Christ? You see, he won't come into your life unless you open the door of your heart. And when you do, he comes into your life and he starts remodeling and he, he starts making the changes. He starts opening new doors in your life and you take those steps of faith and he takes you where you never dreamed you could be. He's the one that makes the changes. He's the one that gives you the strength. You say, Carrie, I'm not sure I can really clean up my act. Well, you don't have to. God gives you the power. He gives you the will and the desire to follow him. And so all you have to do is open the door of your heart. I want every one of us to take out that connect card that's in your program because there's a door at the top. It's a little square, but it represents the door of your heart. And I want you to look at it because I want every one of us to make a personal decision this Easter because that's when Easter becomes so powerful. God has a personal and purposeful plan for your life, and he's been speaking to your heart. And some of you are going, Carrie, how did you know what I was going through? I didn't, but God does, and he speaks through his word directly to our hearts, personally. And, and so, if you would say, Carrie, I'm not sure I've ever opened the door of my heart to Christ. He won't come into your life unless you open the door. He wants to. He waits. But you have to choose at a point in time in your life to open the door. You say, I'm not sure I've ever done that, but I want to this Easter. Or maybe you'd say, I think I've opened the door of my heart, but I'm not sure. Get it settled right now, this Easter, 2019. Just put B, the letter B. I'm believing now. I'm believing now. I'm believing now. Just write the letter B there. There's something happens when you write it down. It's your decision. You're opening the door of your heart. It's your choice. You're choosing to invite Christ in your life. And maybe some of you are thinking, you know what? I don't really even understand all this, but... Why not? I'll give it a shot. Dude, just open the door of your heart. And he comes into your life. And when he does, you may not feel a lot different at first, but he'll start opening your eyes. Everything will start to change.
you'll see the truth. You'll come alive because of what Christ is doing in your life. Just put B. Now, if you would say, Carrie, I know Christ is in my life. I've opened the door of my heart to Christ, but I know there's some doors that I've shut recently in my life that I haven't allowed him to come in and remodel. I've kept some things to myself, and I've kind of wandered away from God, but I want to renew my faith this Easter. Would you put the letter R there? And by the way, for all these, we're not going to come to your house to bother you. We just want to send you information on how to grow in your faith, but just put R. I want to renew my faith and really surrender totally to him. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow close to God. As you move close to God, he moves close to you. And be here next week for the new series. Be at church every weekend. Grow. Get into God's word. And then if you would say, Carrie, I'll consider Christ, but I'm not even sure I believe he rose from the dead. I'm not sure I believe in God. Maybe you're an atheist or an agnostic or a skeptic, and we would say, we're so glad you're here. I hope you felt loved today. I hope you haven't felt judged today. We just want to show you God's love. And if you would say, I'll consider Christ, then put C there, and we want to give you a free gift. Pastor Lee Strobel has written the book, The Case for Christ, and it's just his story, and it's been made into a major movie, The Case for Christ, and he was a hardened atheist, but he followed the truth. He followed the facts, and it led him to Christ. And so we want to give you that book. Put C, go out to the foyer at the end of the service, and one of our great welcome team members will give you the free copy of The Case for Christ. Well, I want us to bow our heads right now. And if you put B, I'm believing now. This is your Easter. I'm not talking about religion. It's not the door of religion. I don't care what denomination you are. It's not the door of religion. It's the door to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Would you just pray this prayer out loud? In fact, would everyone here pray this prayer out loud? If you're a Christ follower, would you pray this prayer out loud just to encourage some who've never prayed this prayer who want to? just to have a little more confidence to pray it out loud and, and let it, if you're a Christ follower, let it be a statement of faith for you. But just everyone in this room, pray this prayer out loud. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. I admit I need you. I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me new on the inside. And I accept your free gift of heaven one day. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I accept your free gift of salvation. Now help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, Christ came into your life. He literally came into your life through his Holy Spirit, and he'll never leave you. You may not feel a lot different yet, or you may. It doesn't matter what you feel like, but you will notice. God will start opening your eyes, and he'll start guiding your steps. He'll start drawing you close. He'll start opening up doors. I'm so excited for you. Well, at this time in our service, we give back to God. We worship through our teaching and through our music and through our giving. And so if you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give. Just be our guest. The offering is for our regular attenders. We give because we want to, because we love what God is doing through the ministries and missions of this church. 
in our area and around the world. And so our ushers are going to come right now and start taking the offering while I make a few announcements. And as they take the offering, I'll make the announcements and then we'll come back with our big ending to celebrate the resurrection. So give out of a heart of thanks for the Lord God because he loves you and he always promises us that we cannot give him, that it's more blessed to give than receive, and he gave us the greatest gift of all, the gift of his son. Hey, I want you to make sure you give this to a friend this week. Our family camp brochure as we turn the stage into a beautiful national park, and we're gonna have a lot of fun next week. We're gonna do a little family camp, and uh, give this to a friend as we talk about how to build true connection with the people closest to you. Also, I want you to know that Woodlands Worship has just released our first two uh, singles, and they're out on Spotify, Google Music, Apple Music, and all the platforms. Uh, the song Maker, the song Found um, are both out now. Uh, on Wood Just look up Woodlands Worship, and then next week, Restore the Years comes out, and the next week, the whole album comes out. Our first Woodlands Worship album that God's already using in churches around the country to make a huge impact, and I'm so proud of our team with these original songs and how God is just using it. So I hope you'll download, go to Woodlands Worship, download it, and, and just enjoy it on your drive time or at home and just be lifted up by this amazing worship team and what God is doing through these guys. Uh, next week, we're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna provide breakfast for everyone next week. We're gonna have donut walls all over the building. I don't know how this is gonna happen, but our, our team and our volunteers are so excited about this. So I don't know how you're gonna get one that's 10 feet in the air, but um, I know that it'll motivate me to do whatever, to get one of those donuts. So, but we're gonna have donuts and coffee everywhere. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and, and then we're gonna get into God's word. Well, um, I think it's really important today that we remember the Christ followers all around the world. There are over two billion people celebrating Easter with you, thanking God for the resurrection. But in Sri Lanka today, uh, there was bombings at several churches as they were worshiping and praising God for the resurrection. And that act of uh, terror, you know, is, is something that's caused so much pain to so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to pray for them today. And, and Christ followers all over the world. There are more Christians being martyred today than at any other time in human history. Um, because in many communist countries, Muslim countries, it's against the law to be a Christ follower. And um, Christians are being persecuted in greater numbers than ever before in history. So let's lift them up. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who don't have this privilege we have. And we thank you for the privilege of freedom of worship because so many have given their lives and shed their blood so we have this freedom. Because nothing great ever happens without sacrifice. And we thank you for your great sacrifice, Jesus. But Lord, we pray for those in Sri Lanka, our Christian brothers and sisters, that you would comfort them and bring healing to them and take this act of evil, Lord, and somehow bring good out of it as only you can. And then, Lord, we pray for Christians all over the world, and we just pray for our world, that you would just bring light to it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now I think it's only appropriate that the rock was rolled away, so we're going to do a little rock and roll, and we're going to send you out on a high note because he's alive. It's not a funeral service, remember? It's a celebration service, and he's still rolling stones.
he's alive to make all the difference in our lives. God bless you. The tomb is empty, so you don't have to be empty. Be filled with him today. Take steps of faith. Let him open doors for you because he's going to do it. When he opens the door, no one can shut it. God bless you, Woodlands Church. We love you. Happy Easter. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.